Good morning. Welcome to LifeBridge. We're glad you're here with us this morning. I'm Tia, I'm the Outreach Coordinator, and I'm here just to welcome you and say we're glad you're here. Hope that today is more than just checking a box that you attended church, but that you're here and have the opportunity to grow as we do that together and learn um, from the message. So thanks for being here. Uh, we have the Pursuit Conference coming up. We keep our calendar pretty clear here at LifeBridge, but four times a year, four weeks, we ask you to go all in, and that week is coming up. So if you grab this card on your seat, you will look on the back and you will see what's coming up. We have Soul Care Night, which is actually Wednesday night in the middle of the week this time instead of Tuesday. And then we have Ownership 101 and Leadership 101 offered, each offered two different times on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I encourage you right now to grab that card, fill it out, and if you pass it to the center, I'll pick them up on my way out of here. Uh, but sign up, you can do it online as well. Remember, there's childcare, there's dinner, so jump all in, sign up for everything you haven't done yet, and uh, we hope to see you during the week of the 5th through the 12th. You'll notice next Sunday we'll have a guest speaker, and at the end of the conference week we'll have a guest speaker. So plan for that. Also, My Life Bridge, that's where, if you're looking for the link and can't find it, My Life Bridge at mylifebridge.church is a good place to find out everything that's going on here. So look there, look for the devotional, the sermon audio. Um, you can also sign up for texts and emails there and do online giving there. So that's, that's your spot online. Also, thank you for your giving. Um, does more than keep the lights on and pay the bills here. We're called spiritually to be generous. And when we're generous, it does more than just help somebody else. It also changes us and helps us focus on less than just our selfish desires, but on other people. So thank you for your generosity. Thank you for being here today. And let's welcome up, welcome up John Adams. Thanks, Tia. Appreciate you. Yeah. Some of you guys are sitting on different uh, ends of the sanctuary today. I'm not going to mention any names, Andy and Kristen, but it's going to throw me. It's going to throw me off a little bit because if there's one thing you can rely on church people for is that they always sit in the same seats every week. So it's going to. It's okay. It's okay. I, I'll forgive you. I'll figure it out. We'll get past it. It'll be fine. Uh, <laughs> you didn't move. No. <laughs> That's fantastic. All right. Now, um, before we begin the sermon today, um, we don't often address current events from the pulpit on Sunday morning, but it seems like the last few weeks have been just full of a lot of events that have produced some big emotions in me, and I'm guessing in many of you as well. Um, the events that we've experienced over the last few weeks produced a lot of sadness, a lot of just anger, and a lot of confusion on my part. Talking about school shootings in Texas last week, there was a shooting at a Taiwanese church in California Another shooting in Buffalo, the war in Ukraine continues to go on and on. And just this week, the SBC, the Southern Baptist Convention, which is the largest Protestant denomination and the second largest denomination in the US, just released their third party report on sexual abuse in the church. And they found, what they found was terrible, <laughs> it was awful. You can look up the details yourself if you prefer. But the leadership often covered up sexual abuse and made it possible in a lot of ways. So what I want to do this morning before we begin and jump into the sermon is just 
have a quick word of prayer together as a church community for everything that has been going on in our nation, in the world, and in the church. So would you join with me in prayer? Father, Lord, as we experience these events and walk through this time as followers of you, believers in Christ and the redemption that he brings, Lord, would you give us peace? Would you comfort those who are grieving? Lord, would you give us a sense of your justice, a desire for justice to be done? Where there is injustice, Lord, would you call us to pursue justice? Lord, we pray for wisdom, for our governing authorities, for our leaders in this time, to make wise decisions that honor you and care for the dignity of all people. Lord, most of all, we pray for your coming kingdom. God, as we're confronted with evil in the world all around us, as we're confronted with sadness and anger and confusion, Jesus, would you return soon? Would you bring the fullness of your kingdom? Would you put an end to the suffering, the pain, the death, and the misery that we see all around us? Lord, we long for your kingdom to come, and we're going to pursue it. Call your church, Lord, to do what is good, to pursue goodness, to pursue righteousness, holiness. And Lord, to bring your kingdom here as you have taught us to pray. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right, today we are wrapping up our, uh, my part of our campaign called The Pursuit. So let me just recap where we've been so far in this campaign for the first three weeks. Uh, we talked about a healthy biblical concept of the self. Uh, what are some, some of those foundational aspects to who we are as human beings according to scripture. We talked about how we're created in the image of God, and yet we are mortal. We talked about how we're fallen, so we should have a healthy kind of skepticism of our own motives and our own heart when it comes to pursuing personal growth because we know that we are prone to being self-absorbed and selfish. And then finally, we talked about how we are new creations in Christ, that if we are in Christ, we are new creations, and therefore, the things that we pursue in our life have to align with our core identity as a new creation in Christ. And if they don't, then we will never find fulfillment and peace. A couple weeks ago, we talked about how we pursue what we long for the most. <laughs> said that we all have this heart compass that is taking us somewhere. Our life is headed towards what we long for the most. Is it Christ or is it something or someone else? And when we are pursuing Christ, what we talked about in the following week is that he truly satisfies. All the other accomplishments, all the other achievements, the things that we pursue in our life, they do bring some form of satisfaction and fulfillment, but they will never fully satisfy us because they aren't in line with our deepest uh, nature of new creations in Christ. We find that when we surrender fully to Christ. Last week we talked about how we need to pursue a life of service to others. How uh, instead of being prideful, we need to focus on being humble. And the secret to being humble is to not think about how humble you are. The secret to being humble is to just think about others more so that we can worship God better and love others better. 
This week, I want to wrap my teaching part of this campaign with just a brief, uh, kind of disjointed, it'll be a little bit more disjointed than normal, and I apologize for that, uh, teaching on the kingdom of God. I've been saying so often that we are to pursue Christ and his kingdom. And the more and more that I talk about kingdom and the more this language comes up, the more in conversation, the more I realize that we are often unclear on what we're talking about when we talk about the kingdom of God. So I'm going to talk a little bit about what it means to pursue the kingdom of God. I've talked about pursuing Christ a good bit, and now I want to talk about what it looks like to pursue the kingdom. So what I want to do is just highlight a couple of aspects of the kingdom of God that we often don't want to pursue. We often don't want to pursue these. We either, pursue, we either just avoid it or we actively uh, go against pursuing these aspects of the kingdom of God. But first, I want to just emphasize uh, some of Jesus' teaching on the kingdom and how pursuing the kingdom of God was really his primary message. When we read through, especially the Gospel of Matthew, his primary message is the kingdom of God. He talks about it time and time and time again. And again, the kingdom is a language, is language that we don't use very often anymore. In our culture, it seems antiquated. It feels like that was how they talked in the olden days. <laughs> like we think of knights and castles and stuff like that when we think of kingdoms. We don't really uh, correlate that to today very well. Matthew 6, Jesus says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all of these things will be given to you as well. We'll talk about this more next week. Our guest speaker will talk about this more next week. But all of these things that Jesus is talking about, what you will eat, what you will drink, those basic necessities that we have, what you will wear, stuff like that. But Jesus, he calls us to seek, to look for. This is our word. We're, we're in the Gospel of John, when uh, uh, Andrew and another disciple come up to Jesus, and Jesus says, uh, what do you want? Or what are you seeking? It's the same word. It's what are you looking for? What are you pursuing in our campaigns? This deep question that I love. I would encourage you guys to all answer this question in your own life, but also to bring this question up in conversation. What are you pursuing with your life? It's a good question. It's deep. And that's what Jesus asked them right away. And Jesus tells us here in Matthew 6, in the Sermon on the Mount, seek first his kingdom. So we have to know what his kingdom is, right? If we know what it is we are to be seeking. Matthew 13, Jesus goes through a number of parables about the kingdom of God, which this language comes up time and time again, again, especially in the Gospel of Matthew. He says, the kingdom of heaven, kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, same thing, is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. So in this first brief story, this guy kind of just happens upon this treasure in a field, and this treasure is uh, the kingdom of God. That's what it's like. And when he finds it, he hid it again, and then in his joy, notice the joy. So it is a joy for him because he has, is longing for the kingdom of God above everything else. So it's a joy for him to sell everything that he has. Just pause and think about that for a moment. Sell everything that you have to attain the kingdom of heaven. Because this is what this character longed for is the most, is the kingdom of heaven. So it's joyful. How many of us would begrudgingly <laughs> or just not do that, period, <laughs> because we would make up a million excuses for why not, right? But the reality is, for so many of us, the kingdom is not what we desire the most, so this would not be a joy for us. Again, the kingdom 
of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. So in this and the other one, the, the guy just kind of happened upon it. And this one, this is what he's searching for. The merchant is seeking it. He's looking for, uh, looking for fine, the word looking there is our term again. Uh, searching, pursuing, seeking, looking for. He's looking for it like a fine pearl. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Again, sold everything he had. What Jesus is getting at here is the, the incredibly uh, great, extensive value of the kingdom for these characters. So if this is what you are seeking above all else, you would readily give up everything else in pursuit of the kingdom of God. Not because those other things in your life and all that you own doesn't have value. No, the kingdom is of such a high value, a higher value, that we would readily give up everything else in order to have it. These characters were willing to put their money where their mouth is, <laughs> quite literally. So when we talk about the kingdom, just briefly, here's one of the best ways that I've heard to describe it. When we talk about the kingdom, it's God's people in God's place ruling under God's authority. This is a theme throughout all of scripture that we see. In the Old Testament, God's people is the people of Israel, the descendants of Abraham. Uh, in God's place, which is the promised land, where he calls them into and they inhabit and they live in. And ruling under God's authority means following the law of Moses. The law that God gave to Moses meant that the kings, the judges, were all called to implement the law in their communities. In the New Testament, God's people has expanded to not just include the people of Israel as much, and there were exceptions in the Old Testament too. It wasn't perfectly neat and clean like that, but uh, to include the church. So the Gentiles, all nations, all people can come and be a part of the people of God. God's place is expanding to all of creation, where the kingdom, the church, is moving and expanding to all of creation. And in the New Testament, ruling under God's authority means we follow the teachings of Jesus. And we adhere to the teachings of Christ, which builds on and expands on the teachings of the Old Testament and the law. So briefly, that's what the kingdom means, and this is what we are to pursue. God's people in God's place ruling under God's authority. Now, that's a big, again, a big lofty topic that doesn't have a lot of teeth to it, and we don't have anything to really focus on and, and hone in on. Again, like I said, Jesus' entire teaching, <laughs> his main message is about the kingdom of God and explaining what it is and that this is what we should be pursuing. So it's way too big of a topic for us to cover in one sermon. So what I'm going to do is just focus on a couple of aspects of it that I, uh, that I think we tend to neglect or we tend to just overlook and overlook at best and at worst just actively avoid pursuing. Okay, First one. Matthew 8, verse 10. So this is Jesus. He's talking to a Roman centurion. Remember, Rome is an occupying force in Israel in the first century. They had conquered Israel, and this Roman centurion has power over Jesus in the physical, uh, political sense. He could choose on a whim to have Jesus killed, and he'd be totally justified in doing that. Yet he comes to Jesus, and he addresses him as Lord, first of all, which you don't do, that implies a superior social status than you, one who has power over you. When the Roman centurion, he politically, sociologically, he has power over Jesus, yet he addresses Jesus as Lord. 
And he asked Jesus to heal his servant. He tells Jesus that he doesn't even deserve to have him come under his roof. If only Jesus would say the words, he knows that he could heal his servant from afar. And here's Jesus' answer. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed, and he said to those following him, truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. Ouch. It's kind of a dig on the people of Israel, that this Roman centurion has greater faith than you. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. To the Jews, they're like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They're, they're our patriarchs. Those are, those are our guys. Like We look to them as the fathers of our nation. And again, we are the people of God. But Jesus is saying here, many are going to come from the east and the west. That means the Gentiles, uh, the people of different ethnicities, different national backgrounds, different countries, etc., are going to come to be a part of the people of God. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So for the Jews, this was, a big, this was a big switch in their thinking, is that the people of God is expanding to all nations, to all peoples, even including this Roman centurion who they despised the fact that the Romans were uh, occupying their country and ruling over them. And yet, he exhibited greater faith than many of the Jews did in his day. So what we see first here is the kingdom is diverse. There's diversity. And so we should pursue diversity within the kingdom. This is one of the biggest challenges of the early church. And so much of the New Testament is written on how to experience diversity with, within the community of faith, within each church. And secondly is mission. Jesus sends out the 12 on mission here in Matthew 10. He says, as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. So that's their message. He's saying, go on mission. Like, go into these communities and share this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Remember, this is the message. This is Jesus' main theme throughout his teaching and his ministry. Go tell everybody that the kingdom of heaven has come near. Then he tells them a few verses later, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be on your guard. You'll be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. So, we're to pursue diversity. We're also to pursue mission over safety. This doesn't sound very safe, does it? <laughs> She's like, go. Go on mission. It's going to be super dangerous, by the way. But go. <laughs> Good luck, everybody. It's not going to be safe. You're going to be arrested. You're going to be turned over to councils. You're going to be flogged. You're going to be beaten. But go. What a good, like, pregame chat, right? It's like, good luck, fellas. They're like, what? <laughs> no, what if I don't want to go? Uh, band, you guys can come and get set up. So our big idea here is to pursue, first, pursue the kingdom, which we'll talk about when I come back and apply this later. Pursue the kingdom. To pursue the kingdom is to pursue diversity over comfort and mission over safety. To pursue the kingdom is to pursue diversity over comfort and mission over safety. So if we are pursuing the kingdom of God, this is what we are pursuing. These are two important aspects of the kingdom of God that we tend to overlook or just avoid entirely. So we're pursuing diversity over comfort. So often we avoid pursuing diversity, diverse expressions of the faith, because we use the excuse that we just want to be comfortable, right? And we know it because it is uncomfortable to pursue a diverse expression of the faith. And so often we avoid pursuit of mission 
to go and tell people about the kingdom of heaven, that the kingdom has come near to us because we're more concerned about our safety. Let's pray, and I'll come back and apply this in a few moments. Lord, we thank you so much, Lord, for your word, for Jesus, your example, for your teaching on the kingdom. Now, Lord, we want to pursue your kingdom above all else because, Lord, that is what we long for. We long for you, we long for your kingdom, and we know that your kingdom is coming. And so, Lord, we want to be a part of that mission. So, Lord, would you call us to pursue it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you guys stand and sing with us? If you need prayer, there's prayer available in the back. Lord, we worship you. We worship your name. You alone are good. You alone are holy. You alone, O oh Lord, are worthy of our praise. So Lord, would you be honored and glorified in the disposition of our hearts as we worship you and as we praise you. Because, Lord... in the midst of the confusion and the chaos and the grief of our world. What a comfort it is to just look to you and worship. To know that there's one who is good. There's one who is holy. There's one who is perfectly just. Lord, to know that you are grieved by evil and injustice. And Lord, to know that one day the evil and injustice of our world will be no more. That you will make all things new. So Lord, we lift our eyes to you and we worship. For you are worthy. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. You guys can have a seat for a few moments. All right, a big idea is to pursue the kingdom is to pursue diversity over comfort and mission over safety. So the first idea that I have expressed there is to pursue the kingdom. We, we must pursue the kingdom because the kingdom is of such a high value. Like those two brief parables that Jesus told of a pearl of great price or a treasure found in a field. We pursue the kingdom. For so many of us, when we think of the kingdom of God and discipleship to Jesus, it seems like a big, daunting task to pursue it. And that's because it is. I've been reflecting on this for, I hadn't put language to it, but I've been reflecting on it over con- through conversations over the last year or so. I don't, I don't know where we got the idea that discipleship to Jesus is easy. I just don't know where that idea came from. My theological answer, which maybe will ring true, but probably not in the language that you would use for it, is that we've confused or conflated the ease of justification for sanctification. Okay, you probably didn't use that language, but whatever. What I mean by that is, like, because we don't work to earn our salvation and right standing before God, that is achieved by God's election, by his grace being given to us, by faith in him 
And through faith alone, that's it. That's, that's all that achieves our justification for us. Through Christ's work on the cross for us, that we don't work for that to achieve that. I think we've conflated that with discipleship to Jesus. That we've, that's kind of become like the idea of discipleship to Jesus, and that's all that it is. And that we've, once we're in, we're good. So we do the bare minimum, we get our get out of hell free card, and then we just go on pursuing whatever we want to pursue with our life. When that is not the picture of discipleship to Jesus that is in and found in the scripture. So certainly Jesus said that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. He's referring to there is that we don't follow, we're not made right with God by obedience to the law that we're made right with God through Christ and through his righteousness being imputed to us through faith. Back to that justification idea. Discipleship to Jesus can be difficult and things like surrender. <laughs> when we surrender our will to God, we, we find that we really do find peace and rest in that, but it's really, really hard at first. <laughs> and over time, after surrendering time and time again and seeing God's faithfulness and experiencing the peace and comfort and joy of surrendering to the will of God, then it gets easier over time, but at first it's a real struggle. And Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit, without whom spiritual formation is impossible. But yet we must discipline ourselves to grow in the faith. We pursue the kingdom not for our acceptance, but from our acceptance. And we cannot confuse the two. It's a grave mistake to think that we achieve our righteousness and salvation by pursuit of the kingdom of God. No, that's not the case. That is solely a work of God. But we pursue the kingdom from our acceptance. When God has accepted us, now we can pursue the kingdom of God. So again, I don't know where we got this idea that discipleship to Jesus will be easy. Because he certainly did not communicate that to his disciples. When we have big questions about the faith, you will have to think about them. <laughs> Like, like those, those questions don't just get answered. Like, we, I, I don't know if we just think, like, upon conversion, God's just going to enlighten us with everything that we need to know. That's not the way that it works. Certainly through the power of the Holy Spirit and through reading Scripture, we can come to good answers. But you'll have to think. You'll have to read. Those big, complicated questions, they're not simple answers either. They're not going to be like a one-sentence, simplified quick answer that we can repeat and say in all circumstances, there's nuance to them. Discipleship to Jesus requires that you read books to come up with those answers. The idols of your heart, they will not be uncovered easily. Time spent in prayer, self-reflection, seeking the kingdom of God is time that you could use doing other things. It's uncomfortable to reflect on the idols of your heart and the problems within yourself. It's not easy. The time you spend in Christian community at worship on Sunday morning, conversing, talking with others, being with others, serving, helping others, 
is again time that you could have spent on yourself doing other things. The offenses that you will, notice I say will, endure in Christian community will hurt. The forgiveness that you have to offer and ask for will humble you. That is not easy. Being in Christian community and committing to it is not easy. And I don't know where we got the idea that it will be. But it's all worth it because the kingdom of God is worth it. And the kingdom of God is of such a high value that as Jesus says that we should be willing to go and sell everything that we have to pursue it and to attain it. I think of it like this. When, when Savannah and I had our first son, our son, Shiloh, our first child, I remember leaving the hospital carrying this car seat and thinking in the back of my mind, I think we talked about it in the car, like, they're just going to let us take him home? Right? Like, this is a huge mistake on their part. Like, they're not sending anybody home with us to make sure that we know what we're doing because we had no idea what we were doing, right? <laughs> but we valued his health and well-being so much that we were willing to read articles. <laughs> we looked up tons of stuff about how to care for an infant and a newborn. We read books. We had tons of conversations with our parents, with other parents, to see how do you do this? How do you raise this kid? I remember within the first couple of weeks that we had him, it was one of the first few nights that we were home and, and he wouldn't sleep. And this was out of the ordinary for him. He usually slept pretty good. And it was like 11.30 or midnight and he wouldn't sleep and he was just crying for like 30 minutes straight. So like when I look back now, I'm like 30 minutes, that's nothing, he's fine, right? <laughs> but like we were new parents, we had no idea what we were doing and <laughs> so we called, the, we called the doctor on call, right? So we were like, what's wrong with this kid? Like we can't get him to go to sleep or we're doing something wrong. We tried all the things that we knew, we changed his diaper, we tried to feed him. We rocked him, we bounced it, we, we did all the stuff that we knew to do. We couldn't figure it out, and he kept crying. So we called the doctor, and so utilizing our resources that we had available to us, right? And the doctor's like, he's probably got gas. <laughs> Just like lay him on his back, push his knees up to his chest, and he'll be fine. So we did, he farted, he went to sleep. That was it. <laughs> we were like, what? But we had no idea what we were doing, and so we freaked out. But we utilized the resources that we had available to us because it was a priority to us to care for him. You will put energy and effort into the things that you care for and the things that you long for the most. If you long for the kingdom of God, you will pursue it. Here's what Sky Jatani wrote in his book called The Divine Commodity. He said, my secret is that I want to be relevant and popular. I want my desires fulfilled and pain minimized. I want a manage manageable relationship with an institution rather than messy relationships with real people. I want to be transformed into the image of Christ by showing up at entertaining events rather than through the hard work of discipline. I want to wear my faith on my sleeve and not look at the darkness in my heart. And above all, I want a controllable God, small g. I want a divine commodity to do my will on earth as well as in heaven. This gets out where, are we really longing for the kingdom or are we longing for a divine commodity, a controllable God? 
a small g God who's not the real God, but a God that we have made and created in our own image rather than us being created in his image? Or are we going to pursue his kingdom with all that we are because we truly desire it and long for it? So your salvation was due to no work of your own, but pursuing the kingdom of God will require effort on your part. Now to the two other pieces in this statement. To pursue the kingdom is to pursue diversity over comfort and mission over safety. So if it is indeed the kingdom of God that we are pursuing, that will inevitably mean that we are pursuing diversity over our comfort. And what I mean by diversity is diverse expressions of the faith. Learning from others how they see, experience, love, and worship Christ. I'm talking within the framework even of biblical Christianity. I've been watching a lot of basketball lately because I just love basketball and the playoffs are super fun. But I think what we want in a church is a church of everybody who is the same, who has the same giftings, looks the same, the same type of experiences, the same type of culture, cultural values. And it's like a basketball team where everybody is the same. You can't have five Steph Currys on the floor. You'll get crushed, right? If everybody's a shooter, who plays defense? Nobody. You're going to get destroyed. <laughs> if everybody plays defense, who's going to score? Right? You can't have it. You've got to have a diversity of talent on the floor in order to have a successful team. And it's the same for the faith. We need to pursue diverse expressions of the faith in giftings, in our ethnicity. We have a lot to learn from others and how they experience love and worship Christ. At a former church, there was a, the leadership wanted to bring in a Spanish-speaking congregation and merge the two congregations. The leadership was fully on board with this decision and tried, and is still trying, to merge the two congregations because of this. It's a beautiful way of pursuing diversity in the kingdom to have two different cultural backgrounds come together and worship Christ together. And the leadership is fully on board with it and pursued it. And it was so, I heard from so many people in the congregation, it just broke my heart that it was just really more difficult to listen to an interpreter in the service. They didn't understand the Spanish songs that they were singing. It was all about comfort. It was all about, this isn't as easy as I would like it. And so they would just stop coming to the multilingual service, bilingual services. Because the cultural differences, they were uncomfortable and they were inconvenient. I'm not denying that. Yeah, they are. It's difficult, but it's worth it. Because diversity in the kingdom is absolutely worth it. So in a community like ours that doesn't have a lot of diversity, we have to at least desire it and commit to pursuing diversity in the kingdom. For most of us, that means simple things like just listening to podcasts to hear from black pastors and their experiences of the faith and what their experience of being a Christian, a black Christian in our culture is like. 
That means listening to the cries of women and their experiences. And there are many abuses at the hands of church leaders. Guys, when you hear about that SBC report, it is infuriating. And it is so sad. That means not us just bringing our Americanized version of Christianity to the people of China or Africa, but listening to them to hear about their expressions of the faith and seeing what can we learn from them about how they're willing to sacrifice so much for Christ in a culture that even is antagonistic towards them. And then on to mission. We need to pursue mission over safety if we're pursuing the kingdom of God. So many of us make decisions based solely on the safest option. What's safe for me and for my family without actually considering what are we pursuing? Again, basketball's on my mind because the finals are coming up, but it's like approaching a game trying not to lose instead of actually trying to win. If you watch basketball very much, Towards the, down the stretch, teams are up often by like 15 and they'll just go into like safety mode and start stalling out the clock too early. And the other team is still driving. Oftentimes the team that's up like 15 will lose because they just start stalling and they stop pursuing winning and just try not to lose. And I think that's what we've done in the church. We've stopped pursuing the mission of Christ and we've just been trying not to lose. We're afraid of what's gonna happen What's going to happen to us and to our family in the big bad culture? Instead of pursuing the mission of Christ. Remember, Jesus told them, you're going to be out there like sheep among wolves, but go anyways. So how would you describe your commitment to the mission of the kingdom? Are you just trying not to lose? Are you trying to do the bare minimum that Christ might require of you and then play the rest of it safe? Or are you really trying to win? Are you pursuing people in your community for the kingdom of God? Are you putting yourself out there in a way that might not be comfortable, it might be a little dangerous even, to pursue the kingdom of God and to bring the mission of Christ to our community and to people who are desperately in need of Jesus? We're going to go into a time of communion now. And as we do so, we're remembering the one, Christ, our Savior, who pursued, pursued diversity over comfort, who sought to follow the will of God and to bring us, Gentiles, people who were not a part of the people of Israel, into the kingdom of God. who healed the servant of the Roman centurion, who healed the garrison demoniac, who loved the Samaritan woman and cared for her. And we're remembering the one who pursued his mission over his safety, the one who gave his life as a ransom for many, the one who willingly walked into Jerusalem knowing what awaited him, knowing that the cross stood before him, but knowing that that was the mission that the Father had given him. The communion elements are in the back.
I'm going to head back there. Front rows, follow me into the back. When the row in front of you finishes, follow them into, back, into the back. Grab the elements, bring them back to your seat, and hold on to them. And we'll pray for them and partake of them together. Would you guys pray with me first for the bread? Lord Jesus, we thank you for your body that was broken for us. That you bore our sin in your flesh, Lord. Thank you for the suffering that you endured for us on our part. Lord, we confess that so often we take that for granted. That, Lord, we are unwilling to suffer in any degree for you, for your mission, for the kingdom of God. And so, Lord, we hide behind our safety instead of fully pursuing the kingdom and the mission that you have called us to. So, Jesus, would you be our example? But more than that, Jesus, you are our righteousness. All of our faith, all of our trust is in you for our salvation. So Lord, we thank you for your body that was broken for us as we partake together. Let's partake of the bread. Would you pray with me for the cup as well? Lord, Thank you for your blood that was shed for us. And Lord, it is only through the shedding of blood that we have forgiveness of sins. Because, Lord, our sin is such an offense to you, to your perfect holiness. And yet, Lord, you have cleansed us. You have made us holy through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross for us. That, Lord, it is not by our own righteousness, it is not by our own good works that we are made right before you, but it is through Christ and his work on the cross that we are made righteous and saved. So, Lord, we respond with gratitude, with thanksgiving, with praise. And, Lord, we respond with a wholehearted desire to pursue your kingdom, to pursue your goodness out of love for you, Jesus, for the work that you have done in saving us. Lord, we are so grateful, and we remember your sacrifice as we partake. Let's partake of the cup together. Let's stand and let's sing a little bit more together in worship to our Savior before we close. If you guys need prayer, while we're singing, Michael is in the back and he would love to pray with you. Please go receive prayer.